Assalamu alaikum, I'm Aisha. Assalamu alaikum, and I'm Amanda. And this is Converts Unplugged. No fluff, no holding back, just honest conversation. Brought to you by New Beginnings, a platform that aims to support new Muslims on their journey through Islam from the Shahada and beyond. Assalamu alaikum, Aisha. How are you? Alhamdulillah, Amanda, how are you? I'm not too bad, alhamdulillah. I wanted to say thank you to all our listeners for the great feedback we had for our last episode, um, which of course was with Brother Yahya Burt discussing his journey to Islam and his book recommendations for new Muslims. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I can, I can absolutely vouch for that. I had such a fun time and amazing time listening to him. And also we've had some great feedback, actually. We've had a couple of people say that he was a fantastic guest and that the topic we chose was actually really, really good. So I'm really pleased with that. And thank you to everyone who's responded. Thank you to everyone who even tunes in, you know. Yeah. So I think what we're going to do now, let's just jump straight in and introduce okay. our guests for this month. Um, we have with us today two local Cardiff new Muslims, well, not new Muslims, mashallah, seasoned converts, tabarakallah, Hanan and John. Hanan and John, thank you so much for joining us both. Uh, Both Amanda and I are super excited for you both to be here. So who exactly are Hanan and John? Please feel free to tell us a little bit more about yourselves. Uh, My name is John Smith, honestly. I took my Shahada in 2002. Um, after after moving to Pontypridd from Hereford, where I grew up, and mm-hmm. um, since then I've uh, been continuing my journey in Islam for nearly coming on twenty years now. Mm-hmm. Isn't it eighteen, nineteen years? Yeah, and um, learning all the time as I go. <laughs> I've had a variety of jobs, everything from being an archaeologist to uh, that's amazing um, working at a chicken factory, all kinds of things. Because I like to, I've got a broad field of interest. I'm interested in things like languages and linguistics. Mm. I love reading. I love mm. history, and these things have, have all been served by Islam in one way or another as well. Which is, uh, which I find you know it just it it amazes me as I'm currently on my journey in Islam how much it actually gives you. No matter what you're interested in, you will always find something in Islam that can feed an interest of yours. So, alhamdulillah. How about you, Hanan? Let's hear a little bit more about you. I took my shahada um, uh, 25 years ago. It'll be 26 in, in January. I converted after a sort of a, you know, that sort of journey and struggle of me trying to find some meaning. I was, you know, asking, you know, thinking a lot and, and asking questions of myself, like, what is the point of life? I was, an, you know, I mean, I was studied art. And um, I, I like to read a lot and I just didn't find, I wasn't finding the answers. And I'd sort of done some yoga, done some went to some kind of new age kind of stuff mm. and found that a little bit empty. I had a friend who was a Buddhist and he he, he, became, he became Buddhist. And so he asked me to a Buddhist, uh, Buddhist meeting and I didn't find that really resonated with me. But so, yeah, and so I had lots of Muslim friends and... Um, like uh, I think, like like yeah, yeah, yeah. Bert um, said, I he he. I I listened to his uh, whole his whole journey with uh, as him to me. And so John and I have actually done that along with Amanda a while yeah. ago. But we have done that with him in sort of more in depth. And also we did an online uh, on a Wales online, Wales online. interview uh, this time last year actually. Yes, mm-hmm. just just before Christmas, and it came out then uh, in January. Yes. So your story is out there, 
Um, Hanan, I know that you are a budding artist and I know that you make these lovely little acorn people, which I think are so charming and lovely um, as I follow you on Instagram. So could you tell us and the listeners more about that? Well, I, I always I loved drawing and art and I think I just that's all I did when I was very young. And then I went to art college. Hmm. And so then I did a degree. But then, but then, you know, when I became Muslim, you know, I didn't, I didn't basically have time to do a lot of art when I, when I had children. And then, and then just recently I've been out with the children are older now. And I just, and so my, my children said to me as well, you've got to get Instagram, mom, you've got to put your stuff up there. And, and I was like, oh, I don't know how to do it. And so they they helped me with the you know with doing it and and now with my Etsy I've got an Etsy shop and I so sometimes I do I do Islamic type of things I do you know and I'll do commissions for people I do I, I I'm bunting mm. so I do a lot of and so because you know when I, when we first converted all of us guys there wasn't much out there so if you want to decorate your house for Eid you know I used to go around to people's houses and they had Christmas decorations yeah up. and that yeah. for me just was weird and now you can get a plethora of stuff um mm. but I started I just made my own and then over time I don't know how I don't know when I suddenly got into the bunting thing I just got really obsessed with it bunting for every occasion but mostly the Eid you know the, the handmade I, I like to make handmade things which is mm-hmm. which is why I coined in you know the name Hanan made I like the idea of bunting I mean bunting is such a quintessentially British hmm. thing and yet you're doing it for Islamic festivals for Eid for when I remember you did um, some decorations when a friend of ours got married and we had a little party for her ahead of time oh, mashallah. Yes. so you know these are these are things it, it's like this lovely merging of you know British something that is very 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 British with you know Islamic practices and so on mm. And this is, I was having this discussion earlier with somebody about, you know, the loss of culture that a lot of converts mm-hmm. experience when we become mm-hmm. Muslim. We're sort of expected to, mm-hmm. you know, to purge ourselves of every cultural influence we may have. And the fact is, we don't need Absolutely. to do that. And that, this is like, you know, it might seem very small and insignificant, but it's a very good example. Yeah. As you said, the culture is just, Islam has always taken the good of any culture and dismissed with the bad of it. And this is something which, you know, because we're lacking a British Islam. The Ottomans were very different to the Moroccans, mm-hmm. but they were still yep. Muslim. The Turks yep. were very different, you know, the, the, the Turkic peoples, the, you know, Azerbaijanians, the other ones were very Islam walls, even in, you know, places like uh, the Somalis mm-hmm. are very different culturally to other mm-hmm. people, but they all have Islam. The Islam is yep. the same. Yeah. But do you think that that's just really a matter of time? I mean, all of these countries that we consider to be Muslim countries, quote unquote, have had predominantly Muslim populations for centuries. Mm. Whereas we in the UK, we're still only just barely scraping 5% of the total population. And most of those are not quote, indigenous Britons, end quote. So I think it's, you know, it's probably just a matter of time before we find that there is, I don't, I have to be honest, I don't like the term British Islam, because I think Islam is Islam, but a British expression of Islam. Very good. I think that there's, there is a subtle but important nuance difference there. True. I think that it's a matter of time and that it will grow organically. Yeah. You know, my, my, I have to say what I'm wary about is it being imposed like what we're seeing happening in France right now? Very the much. idea that yeah. there must be this secular French Islam. 
Now, we're still talking about your your personal journeys. What do you think was the biggest struggle that you have faced? I'm just going to ask you for one each. Um, but the biggest struggle that you have faced since becoming Muslim? Because, you know, as, as, there, as our tagline says, you know, just honest conversation. We want to talk about, you know, the lovely things about Islam, but also the things that we face, the struggles that we face when we come to Islam. Hanan, how about you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> how long have we got? Um, Just one thing, Hanan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, alhamdulillah, my, my family were great. So, you know, for some people, that's really their struggle, isn't it? You know, um, they can, I've, I've met sisters that have, you know, had their family not talking to them, didn't want to see their, ch- their grandchildren, you know, that kind of thing. It's just so awful. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, I never had that. Alhamdulillah. Um, I suppose... I mean, initially, without getting like too personal, because I don't feel like this is the place, but I I think initially I did feel a real, like I'd fallen into um, a, a sort of a chasm of between, um, you know, my friends who I had before Islam and then the people that I met then who were Muslim. So even the non-Muslims that, I mean, even the Muslims that I knew before Islam, when I became Muslim, it was like I'd stepped over this line now. Oh, as, interesting. As, yeah, and so it was It was like um, in my, obviously I wasn't, you know, like the perfect, I mean, I'm still, of course, you're yeah. not, we're not perfect Muslims, but you're trying to do everything right, yeah, you're tra- and you're trying to struggle, and you're reading a lot, and you're really quite, you know, so I was quite zealous as well, which is not mm. necessarily a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think then I, I, I was almost like, I wasn't like those Muslims anymore, um, because obviously I met those Muslims in clubs and things like that, and then the the other the, the other Muslims that I was meeting in the mosque were, I mean, predominantly I met a lot of people from Saudi Arabia at the time. So you can imagine the difference now. There's me in the middle, you know. Can I ask a question? Sorry to interject. Yeah. Were you in Cardiff at the time? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I was born in Cornwall, but I've lived in Cardiff since 1990. So yeah, so I was here, and mm. you know, I knew I knew lots of Muslims. I knew Muslims from different places, like you were saying just then about the madhabs. I knew a mm. Shafi, a Maliki, and a Hanafi. I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know what those things were. Yeah, but now, same. looking back, I, I wondered why when I asked them to help me pray, each of them was different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I had a book. From, yeah, so I had a book from a the Yemeni. Uh, imam that I took my sheikh that I took my shahada with and then I you know and so I was so confused that for a yeah. long time I actually just didn't know what to do and and I really did feel lost and I think that's what I mean about this chasm is that I felt like I wasn't I was too Muslim for those people and I wasn't Muslim enough for those people mm-hmm. I mean nobody told me that but that's how I felt yeah. and and I think that's why now and why we have tried to set up you know things you know like to, to support Muslims because you find yourself supporting them anyway I'm new Muslims and you and you just remember how you felt and and you don't want other people to feel like that and to go through that because it's really lonely like I'm a really gregarious yeah. person and I would say that I've never not had friends but in that time I think I felt the most alone hmm. obviously I think you know Amanda and I can relate as 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 female as women as as female converts and I think you know I relate to Hanan's what she just said about being lonely the first Mm. year or so was very very lonely for me in particular I just wanted to know 
I mean, I think we're going to we're gonna go into more depth about this in future topics anyway, in the future, sorry, episodes anyway, about the differences that maybe male and female converts experience. But I wanted to know how it was for you. I mean, like you said you took your shahada in 2002, so a little bit mm. before myself. Um, how was the first year or so for you? Did you, what were your challenges? It was really interesting. And, in, in you know, because looking back on it, you could actually see it in a completely different perspective as to when you're in it. Right. And it's actually trying to remember that that feeling of, you know, was I alone in there? Was I feeling kind of isolated? And because I I, I took my shahada, you know, in London, as it were, and then I came uh-huh. back home to Pontypridd. In, in Pontypridd in South Wales, there isn't a, a masjid. There's a prayer facility at the university, which everybody uses. And I found that the head of the student union, and he said, right, you've got to learn to pray. Mm. this is the first thing he said to me and this is actually one of my do's is like he said forget everything else at the moment just learn to pray so then I was you know confronted with this but I had help from them and then he said um this is another brother you should meet and this uh he was from Oman mm. so I had Nomani a brother who was showing me what to do as well you know taking around and talking to me and giving me all sorts of good advice and then I was meeting people from other places and it became apparent to me that they all had very different views and mm-hmm. what I then had to try to do was to separate, try and separate from Islam what was culture and what yeah. was religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I found it's like salt and sugar mixed in the yes. same bowl. And this was my biggest struggle to start with, was what's mm-hmm. actually a cultural practice and what is normative Islam. And having a variety of inputs from the, these people from different you know, um, Islamic traditions didn't really help. Because mm. I had people from Pakistan mm. telling me one thing, mm. and I had people from from Kuwait telling me something else. But I, I think that you know women tend to be quite good at supporting each other. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're, mm. they're sort yes. of very much like, oh, I phone you or keep in touch. And I and I don't know if the brothers do do that so much for each other. Well, it's interesting you, know. you say that because after you know I've been I've been doing it for a while. As soon as a student at the university took their shahada, they'd go and find me. You know, they would introduce me and they say, this is John, he took his shahada 20 years ago. If you've got anything that you want to know, you know, about Islam or anything like that, any questions, ask him. And generally, they wouldn't have any questions because a lot of a, a lot of people who come to Islam have already done some research. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the last brother I remember, he'd already learned to pray and he'd already learned Surah Al-Fatiha and he'd already learned, you know, these Mashallah. very sort of basic yeah. things before he took his shahada Mashallah. because they're making sure, I mean, alhamdulillah, the yeah. brothers that, that were supporting were making it, they were saying to him, look, you realise what you're doing, you know what, you know, this is a big step. And, you know, and he already knew that. And so I, I, the only advice that I could give him at the time was, you're going to get given a lot of advice. Just say thank you very much and and take it under advisement don't don't say look i don't want to know just be, treat everybody with good humor as it were you know and say thank you very much for giving me advice hmm. but this, this comment segues very nicely into our topic for today which yeah. is you yeah. know yeah. do's and don'ts for new muslims and mm-hmm. i know you know we've asked you both to sort of think about what you would advise to people who are very new to islam um, I think now would be a good time to ask you about that, whichever, whoever wants to go first. Would you like to go first? Yes. I've whittled it down a little bit. And I think also going on from last episode, if you don't know your Sira, if you don't know the history, the, the history of the Prophet, and if you don't know the Prophet, then you don't really know your religion. <laughs> It's, it's such a foundation. So I would say read, 
slash know the era. So so when those cartoons, you know, came out, the prophetic response would have been to say, that's not our prophet. We know it's not true. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we just dismiss it. Because at the time, I'd always remember reading this and 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 was that the prophets of some some people oh, um, they said his name they said instead of saying Muhammad they said Mahannan or something yeah. like that and it meant something bad so when the, the prophet of sudden heard somebody calling him this he just said well that's not me I'm Muhammad mm. and just yeah carried on you know? and I just thought that was just amazing he didn't bite the person obviously did it to insult him yeah. and he knew that and he knew it was an insult and what was the point of going you know reacting to somebody who's an idiot basically yeah. and yeah. this is and then look what's yeah. happened as a result of our you know of some muslims reactions to that i'm not mm-hmm. saying that we we say it's okay of course it's not okay but we don't act in that way so that's one of my first that's my first one should you do a uh, do now oh me okay do you want to do you want um, to swap back and forth okay Okay, because just following on with, with, with something that Hanan said about reading the Sirah, because that's the top of my list. My one was, oh. get a good English translation of the Quran and read it. Good, yes. because I started off with, uh, alhamdulillah, the Marmaduke Pictal one, which was written in very archaic biblical language of thee, thy, though. Yeah. I mean, because I'd only known that language from the Bible from, you know, back then, it, as a as a, as a as a sacred textbook, it actually you know I could understand what you know it, in that context. But mm-hmm. then when I read um, later on the uh, Abdul Halim, mm, yeah. Abdul Halim, the Oxford translation, yeah, it was just a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. because all of a sudden it it made a lot more sense. So you know there are some really good ones that have been done as English translations. But the thing is, is that if you just learn the Arabic of the Quran without understanding it without you know knowing what you're saying you're kind of missing yes the yeah. point of learning the quran because there won't be that definition. connection right between you you know you, you won't feel it and when you're reciting it, yes yeah. It's, so yeah because i used to have the yusuf Arab translation and it had the the arabic and the english side by side you know like on a page for page yeah. type of thing yeah. and and it's i still got it downstairs it's well thumbed but and now I've gone on to like finally I made the leap into just an English, uh, just an Arabic one, which I found really hard. But in that in that way, when you learn to read Arabic and you've got it side by side, it's actually really good mm. because when you read one line, you can just skip over the page and you can see, you know, mm. what you're saying. Yeah, what it's saying. That's very true. Yeah, that's a good I, idea. I took the opportunity of doing it when I was commuting to work from Pontypridd to Cardiff. Uh, every every morning on every afternoon when I was coming back again I would read I uh, just a little pocket-sized book a Sahih International one mm. and I just used to read that on the train that. and it would give me 30 minutes of reading it you know sort of each one way and the other or even having it now because you know now you can have it on your phone yeah so yeah. you've got Quran apps on the phone which is an English translation but read it regularly mm. is, is the thing about the English translation because for us not having Arabic as a first language and because the actual study of Arabic is um, an ocean, as they describe the language, that, you know, and we're not scholars, Mm. but we need to understand it. And, you know, this is part of Islam is our book Mm. and the seerah. So as Hanan said, the seerah is definitely one, but get get an English translation of the Quran, you can understand. But it's interesting because I think, you know, I've, I've had somebody that I was interviewing before and for in all honesty and apologies to whoever it was, I can't remember who they were, <laughs> but they were saying that they preferred the 
pixel version because yeah. of the language and because yeah. they, they felt that it gave the Quran the dignity that yeah. such yes. a holy text deserved. But yeah. then I was thinking, but when the Quran was revealed, it was revealed in the, the language of the day. Yeah. Yeah, it was I revealed get, yeah. to those people in yeah. the language that they spoke. It wasn't mm. some high-falutin Shakespearean version mm. for them. It was their day-to-day -day language. Yes. The so, way it was described to me is this, that it was actually re revealed in a very highfalutin Shakespearean yes. thing because that was the highest form of the yes. Arabic language that yes. ever existed. And it actually, the Quran actually serves as a benchmark for anybody who gets stuck mm. on something in Arabic grammar. They actually yeah. refer to the Quran. So, yeah. I mean, even in a secular way, it's become that way. And that's it. I mean, the pinnacle of our English language, as they say, was Shakespeare. Yeah. That Shakespearean language, because the mm -hmm. use of it, we've never excelled that. Mm -hmm. you know, yes, I see. I, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> what yes, it was, but but then, yeah. but the society was a society of sure. people who spoke highfalutin Arabic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, even, so like, you can still argue yeah. it was still their daily language. Yeah. Just and it's, it's interesting though because you say about the Pictal one. What I was referring to was the Pictal one is written in a more literary style in that way, mm. wasn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, and mm -hmm. they, they say this is the thing about the, the Martin Ling's uh, um, Sira is because yeah. he was a Shakespearean scholar, mm. wow. so he's Amazing. written it in a in, in a yeah. way that it actually yeah. is written like that. So mm -hmm. I think that's as, as Amanda's point there about the Pixar one being that way. I mean, I'm just like, it was the first Quran I had, and I thought yeah. it was amazing. I mean, For me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, you could also say, sorry, you could also say yeah. that you know, because I I found the older translations harder to read in terms of. It's a bit flowery. I don't yeah. know if that's the best explanation, but it's a bit flowery, isn't it? You know, yeah. and I do prefer personally the modern translations. Mm. However, you know, um, I'm assuming, yeah, Pictal was a convert, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Is he the one that was buried in Highgate? Yes. On a side note. Okay, yeah. So it's him. Um, so, you know, you, you yeah. could also say that it could have been a form of dower to maybe the people at his time. Sure. I mean, I'm oh, yeah, definitely. Random sure. off the top of my head, because we're so used to having the Bible, as you said, John, written mm. in the way it was, yeah, I suppose you could see what he was trying to do with the translation yeah. of the Quran, mm. which so in that day and age makes sense. Makes but today sense. it doesn't. Now, no. yeah. Yeah. Very few Although, people actually read the Bible these days. No. Well, yeah, of course, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. Amanda, okay. do you okay. have anything that you'd like to recommend or? Um, what has do's and don'ts? Do's and don'ts, yeah. What I have thoughts? so many, and to be honest, um, we all have. Yeah. <laughs> I think my first, my my big thing, I mean, akin to what uh, John was told by one of his early contacts, forget everything else and just learn to pray. Hmm. But I would put with that, find a mentor. Yeah. Come yeah. hell or high water, find yourself a mentor. Find one person who is going to be your point of contact, yeah. who you are going to learn how to pray from, who you are going to learn the basics from. Everybody's yeah. going to flood you with advice. Mm-hmm. Thank them kindly, explain that you are taken care of, explain that you have a mentor, and then go and clarify with your mentor if they've said something contradictory. Because, you know, it's, yeah, Islam is simple, but yeah. we try to complicate it, it as human beings. Yeah. And yes, there are a myriad of opinions. Yeah. At the start, just stick to one way of doing things with your mentor. You can learn about the rest later. Yeah. You know, um, that, that would be my main bit of advice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Aisha? So when you do get given advice and when you do get given books, please do look into what you are given. 
But what I mean is do check your references. And like Amanda said, if you can get a mentor, and that's a massive if, because there was no one I could have gone to, Mm -hmm. you know, you're kind of left on your own. And if you do find yourself in that situation of being left on your own, you know, what's your kind of, at your disposal, you have du'a. Especially when you've taken your shahada, I believe that Allah, you know, he's definitely going to look out for you. And if you just ask, if you make dua to Allah, pray to Allah, basically is what I'm saying, supplicate Mm. to Allah for guidance. He will put people in your path and Mm. he will will help bring people to you, which will help navigate your way. Okay, so we've had four do's. Hanan said, Mm. do learn the seerah. John said, do find yourself a Quran translation that you can connect with. I said, do get a mentor. Aisha's is do. How do you simplify what you said, Aisha, into a sentence? <laughs> Be selective about what you're given. Yeah, but the, the, the next one, I think, is, is very important, which uh, this is not in any order, like one, two and three, yeah. Is, yeah. is to be kind, gentle with your family and friends. Yes. But because I think this especially, many of us look back and we weren't. So I, I regret and I have apologised to my family for, for, when, for when I was sort of harsh and... Zealous. Zealous, exactly. <laughs> you know, enthusiastic, uh, you know, and, and just, yeah, thinking that I'm right. Um, and, and it's really, really important. It's really, really important. Yeah, it is. It is. Because it is, it is such a, I mean... I can't, you know, I, I can't imagine how I would feel if one of my kids, obviously, I'd be devastated if they decided to not be Muslim. So therefore, I have to think, you know, even though we weren't in any particular, cult, you know, Christian practice, we were still, it was still a massive change. I mean, how you dress, how you mm-hmm. eat, you know, you know, everything you do then, how you bring up your kids, mm-hmm. everything, you know, you've changed everything and they've got to adapt to that. And we kind of, we might have done, taken years to decide, but we, they haven't had years. Mm-hmm. They haven't had, sometimes had five minutes warning. Yeah, they've had That's a drop true. on yeah. 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 I mean, my sister was amazing. You know, I said to my sister, oh, I've become Muslim. She went, oh, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> that was it. But, cool. you know, yeah, <laughs> cool. Yeah, she likes so that. And alhamdulillah, she's Muslim now. But, but the, you know, but your parents, it's a big thing. Yeah. And I'm not going to say nice everything one. because that's in one of my don'ts. Or should I go over into a day? <laughs> actually, to, to, to add to what Hanan said, I've put, actually put, be nice to your non-Muslim family and friends. Yeah. You're now a better person than you were, mm. but they're the same, mm. if you see what I mean. Yeah, so I get you. If you actually want to show them the beauty of Islam and what it's done and what's good about it, is you should be a better person in front of them. I, I know I went through that phase as well of, of being quite harsh and I do regret it so much. And I think since then, I've sort of tried to, especially with my mum, because obviously I'm a girl. So, and my mum, having grown up through the 50s and 60s and feminism and all of that, she took it hard. And yeah, and so what I've sort Same. of tried to subtly fit, you know, subtly as, as, as sort of, you know, hidden messaging <laughs> to her, but tried to convey to her is that I didn't become Muslim despite how she raised me. It was actually the natural conclusion of how she raised me. My parents raised me with morals and ethics. And so that was just sort of, you know, the natural next step. And I think she's sort of starting to suss that out. Alhamdulillah. But it's It's funny, my my dad doesn't like the scarf, not my mum. And I I think that sometimes you'll have lots of people that I've spoken to who are converts. They'll have one person in their family 
who might be really vehemently opposed to it. And then another one is okay. I mean, now, you know, after being Muslim for this long, I mean, I came to Islam after September the 11th. But um, anybody who becomes Muslim nowadays, in, in just in my opinion, mm. is, I think, alhamdulillah, how did they see the beauty of Islam? Yeah. I mean, there is, a, there is a case for forgiving people for not accepting Islam because what's being portrayed to them, it's not Islam. Yeah. I think it comes more down to personal connections. If you know Muslim mm. people... Yes then you will know that that's not what they are. So what about don'ts? We've had some really good advice for things to do. How about things not to well, do? don't become the Haram police. Could you yes, explain for those, for those who may be very new and haven't yet encountered a Haram police, could you explain okay, so what that when, is? Well, when I became Muslim, and I then, you know, you, you put on this pair of glasses where you view the world through these rose-tinted lenses of everything being amazing. Mm-hmm. And that certain, you know, Muslim countries having the right idea about how to do things. So that if you see a brother who comes to prayer and his trouser cuffs are over his ankles, if you see somebody doing wudu differently to you, if you see somebody not wearing a hat when they're about to pray, you can go and correct them. And you have all these really good intentions of trying to set the world right without actually realising that, woefully unqualified you, you are unqualified to do so because what is halal and what is haram is actually written in the quran and it is hmm. very little that is haram but everything um, is halal unless it's prescribed to haram and i think that's at the beginning we don't know that we don't know because that. maybe we have people saying that to us and you know we're being told that you've got to stop doing this stop doing this so we can get over fervent maybe you know and Mm. Mm. but i think too as converts we are faced with the haram police quite a lot because Yes, I, I like to think that everybody has good intentions and wants to, you know, help yeah. us on our journey and help us to purify our actions and so on and so forth. But the art of giving advice, the art of giving nasiha has been lost. And this yes. is the issue is that nobody knows that you don't tell the new Muslim to take off her fake nails and not wear mascara to make wudu in front of everybody in the masjid. And also, you know, if subhanAllah, if somebody's just taken shahada, and you want to advise them in order to prevent them from doing something really sinful. Start with the mm. big things. Yeah. You know, her nails and her eyebrows are not the the issue. The issue may be that, you know, she's she's heading down to the pub to meet her friends for a pint after this. You know, these are the things that you might want to advise on, but even then, is it your place? Surely we have to have the understanding because, you know, you're going to come across people who are alcoholics. You're going to come across, you know, all sorts of things. And you're going to also you're going to, you're going to you know, people are going to slip mm-hmm. and you've got to help them back up, you know, mm-hmm. not not kick them while they're down. So this and advice, I mean, actually, that, that John has said applies mm-hmm. to both new Muslims. Yes. And to yes. others who are trying to help, quote unquote, new Muslims. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to talk about a don't is. If you're female in particular, please do not get married within the first three to five years of taking your shahada. I would add a caveat to that. I do totally agree with you, okay. actually, except for in one but? in one situation, which is if you okay. have come to Islam through a Muslim who you are romantically involved in. In that case, you want to make a decision. Do you continue this relationship as it yes. is? Do you cut it off or do you do the right thing and get married? And that's not necessarily a decision you want to make straight away, but you should think about it pretty soon after Mm. because you don't want to be involved in somebody who is not terribly practicing while you are trying to implement Islam in your daily life. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I'm not talking about people who become Muslim in order to be able to marry somebody because they're not uh Ahl Kitab or something like that or for brothers. I'm talking about people for whom that person has just been the catalyst. 
What's the male equivalent of that? I would say for the brothers as well. Yeah. consider getting married until you know enough of the basics to be the head of a family. Looking back in hindsight now, I really, for my own, I can only speak for myself here. You know, I thought I was doing the right thing. Everyone, oh, you should get married. You should get married. And I remember one brother, he asked me that question and he said to me, oh, things will probably settle down for you when you get married. You know, I think it's important that women in particular, you know, we, we will be very sought after as converts, regardless of where you're from. Um, the to, brothers too. Yes. Oh, yes. That is A number true. of, I'm sorry. Especially, I mean, I know I yes, complain on social true. media a lot about the men messaging me about, can you yeah. find me a white wife? You are right. But I get messages asking if I know of any convert. A white, a white convert, brother. Not yeah, necessarily that's, white, that's so but true. just converts in general yeah. are sought after because they're seen yeah. as being free of cultural baggage. Yes. It's really important, I think, to protect yourself as a, as a as a female and obviously I'm being very gender biased here and you know you need to understand the fiqh of divorce you know what your rights are rather you know the khula the fasq everything you know you need to you need to learn for your protection and as Amanda said as well you know having a foundation a firm foundation of your deen getting to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's a reminder to myself anyway you know these things are often put down the list of, of what we kind of should, if you like, do when we first take our shahada. You know, so we mentioned mentors. I think my assumption would be that it may be easier for a male convert to find a mentor. Again, I don't know. I don't know if I'm correct. It could, no. It isn't, no. Amanda's shaking her head and saying no, so I've no. been corrected. Okay, fine, that's fine. Just because but there I, aren't that many people with the experience to do it well. But yeah, it wasn't easy. I mean, I, my story was literally a case of I had about, 12 or however many people however many witnesses take my shahada with me and they were all gone the next day Mm -hmm. so you know I didn't I had to learn how to pray myself I had to do all those things myself so no one and it's funny because those sisters one of one of those sisters actually didn't know her rights islamically with regards to marriage and divorce Mm -hmm. so you can understand if some born muslims don't then what's to say you will so you need to go out there and find appropriate teachers or nowadays, I suppose, I'm not saying we should take our dean from YouTube, but if you get the basics and then go and find a proper teacher or, or go to a course, please go out there, learn your dean, find yourself, as they say, with be comfortable in your own skin, comfortable within Islam, get used to everything, get used to your lifestyle change without rushing for a spouse, because there's plenty of time for that, inshallah ta'ala. Hanan, what would you add to that? And John? <laughs> To the marriage one or just to another don't? I, I just put that, well, I, that you shouldn't get married without a, a wali that you know and someone that, that you know, you you know a lot, that can find out a lot about your spouse. Because I've, you know, I use people if who will possible. stand in. Yeah, if possible. But maybe you shouldn't be going into marriage if you can't find out about your spouse. I mean, I've met people who have, you know, somebody's want to get married and all they really want is that you've got a pulse. You know, it's that simple. You, you're just alive. Mm-hmm. And if you're obviously if you're, you're a convert, you have no family mm-hmm. to support you. And, you know, they know you're vulnerable. So they will prey yes. on us. And it does happen. The serial, the serial convert yes. um, marriers, you know, if mm-hmm. that's the right word. Um, and I know I knew somebody who got married and, you know, and divorced within a week sort of thing. Whoa. You know, and when, and when, I, when I'd said to to this person, you know, like, why is he rushing? Why is he rushing? You know, you don't know anything about this person. Yeah. You know, I said, well, haste is from shaitan. And they said, oh, she's from shaitan. You know, I wasn't trying to badmouth this person. I was just mm. saying, hang on. Hang Slow on, it's down. a big decision. Mm. You know, it is a big decision. Mm. And I think sometimes they think that it maybe doesn't, 
matter so so much for us like this person had a child so therefore she's already spoiled I don't know you know yeah. I mean I don't know what they're thinking but the, the way that they are get away with treating us is not acceptable and mm. um a man shouldn't be marrying them either yeah <laughs> I agree yeah. that's another topic that's yeah. what would you add just to, just to say that also don't feel like the pressure put upon you to find a spouse and be married yeah. is something that you should succumb to either. Yeah. Because not everybody is going to benefit from being married. As, as Amanda pointed out, it's a really good point. It's for the brothers is that um, you're going to be taking on a family or you could mm. be taking on a family if you marry somebody who is divorced and has got kids. Yeah. You're taking on somebody else's wife and kids in Islam. Yeah. So the, the, and the, you're going to be responsible for the Islam of the children. There's so many responsibilities. Learn about your rights and responsibilities yes. before you good even point. consider doing it. And Very also, when you talk to the person who is the potential spouse, find out what you agree on. There can be cultural chasms, not mm. differences, of, of what's going to be expected of you from people's families even as well. Yes. You know, yes. if they're from a particular part of the Indian subcontinent, they're yeah. going to have very different expectations of you if they're from Jordan or mm-hmm. Morocco or from America or... Yeah. Because yeah. it's a yeah, it's a big thing you're doing, and also this like don't be in a hurry to do it as mm-hmm. well. It's a, yeah. it, it's yeah. it's a really good thing to do, and it is highly commendable. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that you know for, it will it will cure a lot of the problems for the men, especially mm. because of you know all of the distractions without wanting to say too much that there are in society nowadays. Mm. That um, you know it's it's a way of safeguarding it for men. Um, for women, basically, they need to be protected from men. And it's you know, and Islam is easy. But the thing with it is, is that um, it's very hard to do the easiest of things in Islam. The hardest things to do in Islam are the things that you shouldn't do. It's easy to do the things that you're allowed to do, but the things you shouldn't mm. do, like fasting. Fasting is not eating. And it's really difficult to, yeah. to not eat, isn't it? And actually keeping yourself to yourself mm. is a very hard mm. thing to do as well. Keeping mm. your opinions to yourself when you yes. shouldn't speak. Mm. Speaking about things you've got no knowledge about. Mm. Um, there's a term that I've heard coined a few times and I've used it myself, which is mm. convertitis. The, the yes. inflammation of the ego of the convert, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. This, this yes. syndrome that so many of us <laughs> fall into, and I was guilty of it myself, may Allah forgive I think me. we all have. And, yes. and I have to say that the community at large does not help with this because of the pedestal we get put on. You're better than us. You're more pure than us. Allah loves you more than us because he chose you. So what's your opinion on xyz and then you know i feel emboldened to be Mm. so audacious as to give a fatwa on it stuff i I did i did actually say to one brother who 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 actually said this to me i said i actually have a lot of respect for people who are born muslim Mm. that actually are able to be stay muslim stay in islam and our journey to Islam, as it were, before we took our shahadas, we may have encountered Muslims in all kinds of places where we would go. You wouldn't expect to find them. And I mean, they will tell you they're Muslim. And it's like, well, you know, is it you're around them. And it was one thing I'd written down is that don't be surprised at how little some Muslims actually know. Mm. Don't don't yeah. take it for granted that just because they've been born Muslim that they know more than you. Mm. And as, as Amanda said then, they'll put you on a pedestal mm. or they'll kick the stool from underneath you. There's yeah. no middle ground. It's yeah. funny that. And then what were you saying? Sorry, I was going to say, like, one of mine was, yeah. don't, was don't take knowledge from everyone. You don't know actually what you're taking in. It's yeah. kind of like food. You know, you want to read the ingredients yeah. of the packet. Yeah. And this is where having a mentor comes it does you know really because everybody will want to impart their wisdom on you and they may not be that wise and like john said you know separating culture from islam is like salt and sugar if they're mixed together and 
you know, people who've been Muslim all their lives don't know the difference between their culture no. and Islam. Yeah, absolutely. So how are we supposed to figure it out? Exactly. Uh, you know, find somebody who knows how to help new Muslims, either somebody mm-hmm. who has been through it themselves or somebody who has experience with people who've been through what we've been through. And they can help you navigate this very, very bumpy road. So Amanda, on that note, I want to ask you a question then. You're recommending go, looking for a, um, a mentor. Yes. Uh, what, very quickly, briefly, as a side note, what tips, what should we look out for? What should new Muslims look out for? What, you know, top things should they look out for, with it for with, within a mentor? What kind of qualities? Or similarly, you just said they should either have gone there themselves or be experienced around those who have taken shahada or... What else could you add to that? What kind of qualities should they be looking for? I think that, um, I mean, obviously, New Beginnings, who this podcast has been yes. um, supported by, they have a buddy program where mm-hmm. they match people, you know, somebody who has this experience and who has received training in mentoring as well with yeah. a new, somebody who has taken the Shahada recently. Um, in Cardiff, mm-hmm. we're currently setting up such a program. Yes. Um, and what mm-hmm. we look for in that is people who have empathy people mm-hmm. who are not judgmental, people who have a good, solid understanding of Islam. I can't say free from cultural influences because we're human beings mm. and we have culture, yeah. but who are aware of, us, yeah, but who are aware of the differences and people who will be encouraging and understanding of, of the, mm-hmm. the journeys that we go through. I think one thing, I mean, I had a very good teacher when I first became Muslim. She was a good mm-hmm. teacher. She was not a good mentor. She taught mm-hmm. me how to read Quran. She taught me how to pray. All of that was very important. But when it came to my struggles, she was dismissive mm-hmm. because she oh. her, her attitude was, well, you're Muslim now. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can't do that. You can't, you know, I would ask about what should I do with my family at Christmas time? And she would be like, but you're Muslim now. Astaghfirullah, we don't do mm-hmm. Christmas. And there was no understanding that that's not a one size fits all answer for everybody. Yeah. So this understanding, this flexibility, um, and the ability to listen more than to talk. That is very important because sometimes some of the things we face, we can figure out on our own, but we just need a sounding board for them. Hence the mentorship. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so active listening, basically someone who can actively listen and not just always yes. get that, not listen to respond necessarily. And obviously somebody who is a practicing Muslim themselves, somebody who is praying yeah. five times a day, doing all of the fard things that we need yeah. to do as Muslims and who is living their lives as best as they can, submitting to mm-hmm. Allah. Of course, that's very important because they have to be setting an example. Can I add another don't? I, I was going to say, um, don't go to extremes with your religion. Because Islam is a middle path, because you'll often find that with your overzealousness, because it's overzealousness, is that even a word? Uh, you will rush into something, and I think that's it's very true for me anyway, definitely. Because the Aisha that, because obviously, even though we're, we're this is audio, we're obviously seeing each other on Zoom right now. You know, the Aisha that they see right now is not the Aisha they would have seen ten years ago. Like you wouldn't have been able to see me. 10 years ago mm-hmm. my face was covered yeah. and I, there's nothing wrong with that if you choose that and you can sustain it that's mm-hmm. great um but again you know make sure that the islam that you're going into whatever manhaj or whatever you follow is obviously correct first thing but it's sustainable because you will find that burnout. Again, it's not you mm. will have burnout and you will you will throw yourself into the deep end of that pool of you know and it's not sustainable i personally didn't find it sustainable for me, you know, again, living in the West, you know, you have to be flexible. And I think that's what we, 
what we touched upon earlier, you know, the Dean is easy. You know, you don't mm. have to, you know, you can change your mind. Scholars did change their mind or have a difference of opinion later on in life. And they have actually said that in some of their books as well. Um, and that's okay because we're human beings. If we're not growing and if you're remaining stagnant, that's a problem. But again, like I said, make sure the lifestyle you choose and especially for women in particular, and I suppose it does appeal, you know, uh, go go for the brothers as well, but for women in particular, because we so visibly wear our Islam literally on us. We advertise our Islam on our heads and on our bodies, you know, by what we wear. Make sure that the that the deen you are following is sustainable. So I think that's what I would say to new Muslims as well. You know, be mindful of the fact that you are going to be on a journey. Please do not go to extremes with your um adopted kind of traditional whatever it is you you want to you know call it and that realize that you know there is room for flexibility despite however people how other people behave there is room for flexibility and again mm. the islam is the middle path and this is the path that inshallah ta'ala we should try to follow john what would you what would you advise don't lose your patience and don't forget to be grateful these are two things patience and gratitude are the mm. highest things that Allah has given us Absolutely. and if you're patient with people and you're grateful for what Allah has put in your way you you can't fail mm-hmm. and these are hard this is the, probably the hardest thing to do is remembering when to be patient and remembering when to be grateful mm-hmm. um, it, because you need high doses of it and patience as they say exercise patience and think of the word exercise in the same way as you have to exercise any other muscle in your body is that patience is something you have to exercise so don't you know don't be quick to anger and don't be quick to go to extremes and things as as uh, as Aisha said just then it is really is it's like because it's so easy to just you know to go completely the other way to snap as it were and to also forget that when Allah has given you something you should be grateful for it because he can take it away. Yeah, absolutely. He'll replace it with something far it with worse. worse. Yeah. Yeah. And, this is, and, and this is the same now, now that you've accepted Islam. Mm. You know, be grateful that Allah has, has allowed you to do this. Yeah. Just think about how much worse it could be if yeah. he takes it away from you. Mm. Because, you know, in the, we're in the end of days. And there's a hadith that says, you know, that, you know you'll go to bed Muslim and wake up a, a non-believer. Yeah. And you'll yeah. go to bed a non-believer and wake up as a Muslim. Mm-hmm. And in the, one of the the, the the hikmas in that is that he, you may have doubts when you go to sleep and you wake up and those doubts are gone. Mm. Or you may now have no doubt when you go to sleep that something will happen in the morning that will make you doubt it. And there's nothing wrong with actually having this, uh, you know, in a what you could call a crisis of faith because yes. it means you're actually thinking about Islam seriously. Yeah. You're taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, be patient and have gratitude. Mashallah. like that. Brilliant, mashallah. And then? I can't really follow that. That's good. We have to do podcasts more often so we learn these things to each other. Um, one of my, my number one, actually, the one I put down first was don't change your name. Yes. Because I can't go back now, right? I, I'm still I'm still the other name, which I'm not going to say, yeah. to my family. It did really affect my family, you know, other people yeah. calling me Hanan, and they didn't like it. And it was... You know, I, I justified it in that, you know, I was christened that name and I didn't have any choice and blah, blah, blah. But it didn't have a bad meaning. It was, it's a bit dated now because obviously it's a 60s kind of name. But 
I think, you know, we, I, I changed my name. I changed what I ate. I changed how I dressed. I tried to, you know, I almost completely changed my identity and yeah. my culture, which we said at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then slowly over time now, I feel like I've come back to sort of, you know, I've got a Cornish flag on my car, for instance. I'm not into flags, <laughs> but the Cornish flag is it. And, and, you know, just, just embracing, just, and, and if you can maintain mm-hmm. the essence of who you are, if you, you know, except for obviously the haram things. Um, and, you know, that's that's who Allah made Muslim. I think that's what that's what you have to remember is that you were enough. You know that 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 you know that whole that saying now is all like yeah, I love me and all the rest of it. But you know, but just that you be you 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 know Allah made you Muslim. He didn't mean that you had to completely change your ev- you know everything about you. Well, it's um, it's interesting because if you really want to get technical, mm. Sunnah is not to change your name when you convert. It's, it's interesting you. because when I, I used to work for a, a Muslim organization and I answered the phone once to one of the local imams. And when he asked my name and I told him, uh, my name's Amanda. And mm. he said, oh, I'm sorry. I assumed you were Muslim. And I said, I am Muslim. Mm. And I said, oh, why don't you have a Muslim name? And I just went, I do. I'm Muslim. My name is Amanda. Ergo. He laughed and he said, subhanAllah, you're right. Jazakallah. MashaAllah, that's a good response. You yeah. know, because what, what makes a name Muslim is that a Muslim person has it. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Call me Brother John. Also, I had people translate my name to Yahya for me. There are still some, some brothers who yeah. call me Yahya, yeah, yeah, but that's because I've known for a long time they've always mm. done that. So but I've noticed that people do feel that they have to call John brother because mm. they, it's almost like because they I haven't don't got, you know, I'm not an Ibrahim or an yeah. Abdullah. Or, you know, I find, I find the opposite. I rarely get called Sister Amanda. And I think that's because people find it, a, 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 it doesn't match. It's a mismatch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds funny. Yeah, exactly. So I think, for, I think, I think for me, because obviously I've adopted the name Aisha. The thing is my name, I'm just going to say my name, my birth name's Kaylee. Mm. Right. So, and it was a bit odd for me saying that actually, it's, it's really strange <laughs> saying it, but the thing is the meaning of Kaylee isn't great anyway. Like it's an Irish sneeze up, isn't it? Let's yeah. be real. Kaylee having a Kaylee spelled differently, but yeah, oh, yeah, but the meaning that's the meaning. Uh, it is one, regardless yeah. of how you spell it. I mean, I was actually named after a song in the 1985, but that's another whole Merillion. kettle of fish, Marillion, yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, which I've been told many times, but but so I change it. But it's funny because for years I didn't feel comfortable being called Kaylee, and obviously, my mum, sisters, and everyone else calls me Kay. But sometimes when she, when they'll introduce me to say the Muslims they go in the taxi with or whatever, um, they'll say, oh, she, her name's Aisha or whatever. But only now, over the past few months, and I mean literally the past few months, I'm okay with being called Kaylee again. Isn't mm-hmm. that strange? I mean, I'm not suggesting it's, I mean, I still will be Aisha. You know, Aisha is who I am. I haven't deed polled my name. I haven't officially changed yeah, my name no. and I'm not going to. But um, yeah, I, I am Aisha. And it's actually quite funny because, I, it was a choice of between Aisha and Iman uh, in university. And it was actually another Aisha who picked Aisha for me, but then they still ended up calling me Kaylee. It was hilarious. It was weird, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting topic, but I actually do agree. I think it's lovely to see a range of kind of non-traditional Islamic names, shall we call them mm. out there now? You know, I've got a Reva friend who's Samantha and, um, you know, and, and it's funny actually when when she when she rocks up to certain places, when she when she goes to certain places, and they actually that's what happened to me because when I go 
when I have medical appointments and stuff, obviously what's on my records is Kaylee. And mm. I remember once it was quite nice. I went, I had to go for a blood test and um, the name comes up on the board. There were loads of us sitting there waiting for your name to come up on the board. And then it just went beep and it had Kaylee Davis. And I pulled, I stood up and then you could hear the Muslims going, mashallah. Or <laughs> <laughs> the Muslims in the surgery said, mashallah. I'm like, yeah, hi. <laughs> so you get that as well. That's a nice thing. It's funny because like, yes. I did change my name when I first converted because yeah, it was the done thing. Mm. Yeah. And I that was the 90s. <laughs> it was the 90s, and you changed your name because you needed to have an Islamic name. Islamic meaning sounding Arabic. name. Any yeah. Arabic word would do, apparently. Mm. Um, and so I picked one and promptly regretted it and spent the next 16 years being called this name that I didn't feel was me, that I didn't yeah. identify with, that I didn't really like even the sound of. And then mm. Basically, as soon as I, um, I mean, I got divorced, I moved back to Cardiff. I shucked that name as quickly as I could because I thought, alhamdulillah, I'm getting a new start. Mm, I'm going yeah. to go back to my original name because, yeah. I, you know, I just thought this is what I need to do. Good for you. Ibrahim, um, Salman and other things like that are not Arab names. They're not Arabized names. Ibra- Abraham yeah. was not an Arab. Yeah. No. The Arabized um, names. They're Isa. Arabized. Isa. Musa. Isa is, a, yeah. is a, like, you know, is Aramaic probably from Palestine. Yeah. Yeah. So there are so many names that they consider to be, you know, Arab names. But not just that, you know, if you look at, um, you, you know, these heritage Muslim cultures, they will yeah. give their children non-Arabic names. I mean, yeah. I know girls named Palwasha, Nariman. Parveen, things like this. These are yeah. not Arabic names, and yet yeah. they're seen as acceptable Muslim names. Yeah. So what's yes. wrong with John and Amanda and Kaylee and whatever Hanan used to be? On a side note, <laughs> that sounded really weird, you just calling me Kaylee. Oh, it's really strange. <laughs> it's what you're used really to, isn't weird. it? Subhanallah. To, yeah. yeah, because any Aisha, my ears prick up and I was supposed to look around, you know? So, um, no, but it's, it's about too much. I get what you mean, to. yeah. yeah. If somebody shouted Yahya and I was in his shop, it wouldn't be me that would turn around no. first of exactly. all. Exactly. Sometimes exactly. I, I call Hanan by her by her other name if I want to get her attention for some reason. But the, so. but the, but the funny thing is, is my sister still calls me, okay, I'll go. I'll say it. No, but, don't. No, no it's, it's the great mystery. Leave it. Yeah, Lisa still she uses does. an abbreviation of your first yeah, name. She does it in work. And so it really confuses, obviously, everybody in work, all the children, all the all my colleagues know me as Hanan. And I feel like Hanan. I do yeah, like same, that name. Same. I love I love the meaning of it's like it. It's business cards now. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. But it is like the same as you. It's my passport is the it's, other one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah subhanallah. It's interesting. Yeah. And I still kept my surname, which when I was a child, I thought, well, I'm so getting rid of that one. But clearly not now. I kept my name. So I am still, I am still Sandra Cook is my surname. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, guys, we have reached the end of another fantastic episode. <laughs> and uh, Hanan and John, it has been an absolute wonderful experience sharing the mic with you both today. Jazakallah to you both. And, oh, yeah. um, cool. you know, for imparting your wisdom. Anything yeah. anything good that we said is from Allah and anything bad is from Shaitan. We ask your forgiveness for it. Absolutely. Um, Same with us. Jazakallah khair. And keep up the good work. Your podcasts are awesome. As, as Aisha said, Jazakallah khair to you both for coming on and for sharing your advice. I hope that our listeners will benefit from it. Um, as always, we welcome all and any feedback and comments. Please do subscribe to our podcast. It is available on 
our website, which is beginnings.org.uk forward slash unplugged. And it's also available on all major podcast platforms. Inshallah, Aisha and I will see you next month where we will be discussing male privilege amongst converts. So for now, this is Aisha. And this is Amanda. And this has been Converse Unplugged. Until next time. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you.